Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. So, so, so come and support them. All right, well, what we're doing in this series on the Mount is we're actually looking at the very beginning of a very popular uh, message that Jesus gave. It was called the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're looking at what's known as the preamble to it. It's just the introductory comments to this sermon that Jesus gave. You might know them as the Beatitudes, and uh, Jesus is giving, giving these, these challenging principles. These, he's saying these statements that, man, the people that were listening to them in that day would have understood them as very countercultural. Like, they just went against the grain. And, and when we look at them today, they, they're still very countercultural. But, but Jesus had a way of doing that, right? He, we call them the upside-down teachings of Jesus. He said stuff that just didn't make sense to us. And each one of these Beatitudes starts with the words blessed. Now that word blessed is not the way we think of it blessed, like we think hashtag blessed, right? Like I got a lot of stuff, I'm comfortable, I'm enjoying life. That's not what it's about. It's not because of your happenings in your life. You're not, you're not blessed or happy because of what's happening in your life. You're blessed because you have a joy that is beyond this world. Amen, everybody? Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. You have a joy that comes from supernatural stuff. You have joy that, makes, that, that doesn't count on your circumstances. So everything can be going bad and you can still have joy. This is the kind of blessedness that Jesus is talking about. It's only a joy that God gives. And so when you look at these, these, these beatitudes, it's interesting. I was looking this week and I was reading some commentaries from other, other you know, pastors that have passed into eternity and they, they, they write what's called commentaries and they were talking about this and they're like, it's interesting, all the beatitudes kind of build one upon the other. That Jesus starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, that's the way you have to come to God in the first place. Recognizing that you are poor in spirit. You are spiritually bankrupt and destitute. That there's nothing you could do to earn salvation or pay your unpayable debt, right? That, that God paid that for you in Christ. So blessed are you when you recognize that. Then he goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who, who, who uh, are hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and blessed are the meek. So all these build upon each other that, that you don't get to the meek place until you've experienced a relationship with Christ where you're spiritually destitute. They build, and this week is no exception to that rule. Uh, we find that you are blessed because you have more of God in these situations. So today, today's a challenging message as well. And I'm asking you all to lean in. I'm asking you all to grab your notes or grab a Connect card and flip it over on the backside. You'll see that there's a place for you to take notes. And we believe... And taking notes here because we believe that if we're ready, God's going to speak to us. Amen, everybody? So, so, so take some notes today. God has something for you. And the beatitude we're looking at today is Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Now, if you flip to, the, to Webster's Dictionary and you look at what mercy is, it says mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance. Do y'all know what forbearance is? It means that something's irritating you, but you're giving it a pass, right? So, something's bothering you. Somebody's doing something that's obnoxious or annoying to you, but you're going to, oh, I'll let this one slide, right? That's what forbearance is. So compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. So, 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 
That's what mercy is. But you know how I, we've defined it here at Simple Church, and we talk about it. We talk about mercy simply being not giving someone what they deserve. That's what that means if I break it down simply. Mercy is I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Now, grace gives you what you don't deserve, right? That's what we, where we get salvation. Jesus offers us a free gift of salvation. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it. And that's a grace gift, right? We don't deserve that. But mercy, mercy withholds what we do deserve. And for all of us, the Bible tells us that because we are sinful, that, that we deserve eternal separation from God. That because of our sin, that the, the payment or the penalty of our sin is death, death in every area of our life, and then there's the eternal death after we pass from this earth. That eternal death is eternal separation from God and hell. That's what we deserve for our sins. But God in his mercy doesn't give us what we deserve. And how many of you guys are thankful for that? That God does not give us what we deserve because, my goodness, what I deserve is not this. What I deserve is not his grace. I do not deserve Jesus at all. But I think it's interesting, as much mercy as we have received in our lives, we are not a very merciful people. And I don't mean here at Simple Church, you all are great, but I mean the rest of the world. Or maybe this applies to you too. I know it can apply to me at times. In fact, I would say that if we look at all throughout history, I think we're in one of the harshest times in history. Communication is faster. We're more connected than ever. We have more opportunities to judge people and to be merciless than ever. Look at the internet, guys. Look at the comment sections. Read those things, and you'll find people get very brave behind a keyboard, right? And they become warriors, and they say all kinds of stuff that is just rude, disrespectful, merciless. We are in something that has been called cancel culture. If you're not familiar with this, let me help you out with that. What social media has allowed us to do is discover somebody at their worst moment and then choose to publicly crucify them for their worst moment. Now, and if it happened to you, if your worst moment was put on display in front of the entire world, they do the same thing to you. Social media allows us to, to, to identify who that person is. You can see this on TikTok. It's actually one of the most fascinating things to me. See it on TikTok, see it on Facebook, see it across all social media. Somebody has a bad day, they walk into a store, they, they mouth off to somebody, which by the way, you don't get to see the entire encounter, you just get to see their worst moment. And then what happens is somebody grabs onto that video clip and says, hi, let me tell you who I am. And now let me tell you who that person is. That person lives at this address. That person works at this job. That person goes to this club. That person even goes to this church. That person is this political affiliation. They'll let you know everything about them so that you can, if you so choose. They are, essentially what they're doing is trying to incite a riot and to cancel that person because of their worst moment. Because they had a bad day. We're merciless. We treat people terribly. We cancel them. People get fired. They lose their livelihoods. They lose opportunities because we choose to not give mercy. Because we choose to judge people by their worst moments. Of course, we want to be judged by our heart's intent and not our behaviors, but we want to judge everybody else by what they did. 
We become great judges of others' sin, but great lawyers of our own, haven't we? That, that's who we are in culture today. We are oftentimes without mercy. Jesus is calling us, though, to a life of mercy. He's calling us to live a life where we don't judge people by their worst moments, that we give people the benefit of a doubt, that we write people a pass. That doesn't mean that what they did was okay. That's not what mercy is saying. What mercy is saying is what you did was wrong, but I'm going to withhold what you deserve. Jesus is calling us to that, to exist in a way outside of culture today. And the reason he's asking us to do that is not because he's mean or because he's restrictive. It's because he longs and desires for you to walk in freedom. Because mercy is not necessarily for the person that is receiving it. It is for the person that is giving it. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting, and that's okay. That's all right. I've been up since, since early this morning, and I've had lots of caffeine, and I'm, uh, this is flowing through me. I'm excited. But I'm just telling you. Mercy's not about the person receiving it. It's about you. Because when you choose to, well, I'll get there in a minute. Let me just, get, let me just keep going. I'll get there in a minute. All right, I'll just say it, because here's the thing. When, when you withhold mercy, what you're essentially doing is you're holding that grudge against that person, and your grudge isn't bothering them. It's, in, it's intoxicating you. It's causing you more issues than you realize. Being unmerciful hurts us. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Why? Because you're not holding stuff against people. Because you're free. You're free. You're unburdened by anger and resentment. My friends, that is a blessed place to be. Because some of you, you think through your life, you know some people that are angry and bitter at other people. And they are miserable to be around. If you don't know some of those people, it might be you. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a couple ways that you can become merciful. If you're not already a merciful person, a couple ways you can become merciful. And then I'm going to give us four areas that I feel like we could grow in showing mercy. It's, 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 it's to specific people groups. And I think the last one, stick with me, I think the last one's going to surprise you. I think it'll surprise you, but I think it'll give you the most freedom. So here's two ways to become a merciful person. If you're taking notes, what we need to do is remind ourselves how merciful God is to us. Remind ourselves how merciful God is to us. And I think that this is something that we should do every day. That, in fact, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray, Jesus gave them what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And many of you are familiar with that. You've probably heard it before. But, but, but I'm not telling you you need to pray the words Jesus said. Jesus gave them a model. He gave them a pattern to follow. He gave them stations of prayer, as it were. So, so he starts off, our Father who's in heaven. That, that's worship, right? That's expressing worship. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're now praying God's agenda. God, do whatever you want to in my life today. I submit, I yield to you today, right? And then he goes on to the place and he says, give us this day our daily bread. So, so God, here's, here's all the stuff that I need today. Here, here's what I need. And then he goes on to focus on something very important. He says in Matthew 6, verse 12, this is part of that prayer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts. 
This is going to a place where, once again, the basis and the foundation of our relationship with God starts with Jesus, where we receive his grace and his forgiveness. And every day we start over. Why? Because every day we live this life, and none of us are perfect. And every single one of us, including the one speaking to you, sins. And every day we need to receive God's grace and his mercy again. So we can remember how much we've been forgiven. We can remember. Now in this passage, it uses that word debt two times. And that debt isn't like an amount of money that you, you consider that you could pay. It's actually, the word translated, it's not, not like a debt like a mortgage or like your car note. It, it more means a debt that is unpayable. And Jesus is saying, hey, we need to remember that what we have received from God by grace and his mercy is that our unpayable debt has been canceled. <coughs> that Jesus paid for it with his life, his death, and his resurrection. And when you realize how much you have been forgiven, when you daily come before God and you have that, that moment, like, man, I've messed up a lot, and you've forgiven me a lot, that, man, you're faithful even when I'm not faithful. That's one of my favorites. That God's faithfulness is not predicated on my faithfulness. Oh, thank him for that. Oh. That he's not like I am. That when people are unfaithful to me, I tend to want to be unfaithful to them. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody, don't judge my life. You know you're the same. Jesus is saying we need to daily remember that God paid our unpayable debt. And I think that when we get to that place, when we continue, we are constant recipients of God's mercy and his grace. What happens is we develop and gain the capacity to give it to others. So if you want to be somebody that lives a life of mercy, you need to remember how much God has forgiven you. Because remember, we can't earn our forgiveness or pay our debt. And we don't make other people, we, we shouldn't make other people earn our forgiveness or make them pay for the wrongs that they've done to us. Because if we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. And you can't. You can't. So why is it that we're quick to receive forgiveness from God, but we're not quick to give it to others? Why is it that we withhold? Why is it that we have a whole bunch of excuses when the subject of forgiveness comes up? Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, but that hurt. We get the yeah buts. Right? Some of you are taking notes, and that's the only thing you noted today. Yeah, buts. We forget how much we've been forgiven. And I think it's time for us to get in a habit of remembering. And there's this theme all throughout Scripture. Listen, God made you. He understands how you're made. He understands how your brain functions. He understands that you will have a tendency to get caught up into the cycle of life and that you will have a tendency to be distracted and forget I think it's why Jesus gave us communion, not so that we could do something here in church together, because communion was something they did over a meal. It was something simple. We've institutionalized it, but that's not how Jesus contextualized it. He said, remember me. Every time you're sitting around eating together, just remember me. That's three times a day for some of us. That's four or five times for some of us. <laughs> hey, hey, withhold judgment, I said. You understand what I'm saying, though, right? 
Because we forget. We're like Dory. What? From Finding Nemo. We just forget almost instantly. God knows. But he's, he's and, and through scripture, he even gave us ways to remember. He's like, hey, take, take my rules. Take, my, take everything I have for you. Put it on your wrist. Bind them on your foreheads. Put them on the doorposts of your house. Put them everywhere so you can see them. So you can see God's promises. So you can remember. Because it's easy for us to forget. It's easy. Ephesians 2, 4 says this. This is Paul talking. He said, but God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. We need to remind ourselves we were spiritually bankrupt. We had an unpayable debt and Jesus paid that debt for us to be set free. Keeping this in remembrance will cause us and help us to be merciful. Why? Because the forgiven forgive. It's just what happens. You'll be blessed if you're merciful. Here's the second thing we can do to become more merciful is, you'll see a theme emerging here. Remember, we're all going to face God one day. We're all going to be in front of God, and we're all going to have to give an account for what we did. Now, those of us that are Christ followers, when the day of judgment comes, where we give account for all of our actions and everything that we've said and thought and did, for those of us that are in Christ, Jesus is going to step in and say, hey, Dad, I got this one. I paid for this one. They're with me. Oh, okay, come on, enter into his, he- his heavenly rest, right? There, but there's going to be a day we're going to have to give an account, not only for what we did, but then also what we did with Jesus. What did we do with the grace we were given? What did we do with the mercy we were given? This is serious stuff. It's very serious stuff. In fact, here's what you need to understand. If you want to call that day of judgment like the final exam day, that's fine. I'm your pastor. Hi. And I'm here to help you get ready for your final exam. Because the last thing I want for you is to get to exam day and you sit down to take the test and say, I don't remember any of this was on the test. (coughs) He never talked to me about any of this. I want you to pass the test. (coughs) So sorry. I don't know what's going on today. Well, yeah, I do. It's, it's all that over there. That's what's going on. So pay attention. I think it's, it's time for us to remind ourselves how merciful God has been to us. Use the Lord's Prayer daily to help us to go to that station, go to that moment, to remember his, his mercy and grace. But here's the thing. After, that, after the Lord's Prayer, the very next verse after Jesus wraps up the, the prayer, there's, there's these multiple points. <coughs> maybe, maybe a bottle of water would be great if somebody's got a water. My coffee's not doing it for me. Thank you. The next verse, after Jesus gives the prayer, he gets very serious and he gets repetitive. And I, I've told you so many times that when the Bible starts repeating itself, that's when we need to lean in. Lean in and go, why are you repeating yourself? Thanks, babe. Appreciate that. My cough drops are in, in the bag, the side of my bag in the office. <coughs> Excuse me. He gets very serious and he pays and he, and he repeats himself. Hey, we got a cough drop. Thanks. Isn't she pretty? This is my wife, everybody. That's just Shanda. That's right. That round of applause is for you. But she is all for me, not you. Oh. Um, 
Jesus repeats himself to highlight its importance, and he breaks it down a little bit more. And by the way, this is the only part of the prayer that Jesus repeats. You need to note that. And, and of course, what is it on? It's on forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father's not going to forgive your sins. Not maybe. Not possibly. Not, well, some sins, but not these ones. He says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. That, that's period. That, that's not a possibility. It's, that's a done deal. That's why this is so important. I want you to pass the test, guys. That forgiveness isn't something that, that we get to hem and haw on. If we're, if we're Christ followers and we receive God's forgiveness, he, he just said it. We have to give it or we don't get it. Are you following? Like this, this is an imperative. This isn't a question. God is kind. He's merciful. He's graceful. But this is one area that God gets upset about. I would even say he gets angry about. In fact, Jesus went on after this to tell a parable, to tell a story about a, a, a king who had a guy who owed him money. And it was an unpayable debt. It was an unpayable debt. <clears throat> and he talks to, talks to the guy about this unpayable debt, and the debt is about, in modern-day money, it's $5 billion. That's unpayable, right? Oh, and by the way, if you're here today and you think that's a manageable debt, I would love to talk to you because we've got a building to finish and dreams of on serving this city. Not kidding. You already know how to spell million or billion, so just write that on your check. <laughs> Help us do it. Help us reach people. But it, it was a billion-dollar debt, $5 billion debt. It was unpayable. And the man pleaded for his life, and Jesus forgave him. Or not Jesus, but the king forgave him. And it's, it's a parable. It's a made-up story Jesus is telling but it's to represent the kingdom of God. And so that guy who was forgiven so much, he goes out, and the first thing he does is he finds another guy that owes him about $10,000. Well, that's a manageable debt, right? You can pay that back. But the guy doesn't have the money at the moment, and the man who was just forgiven the unpayable debt won't forgive the guy who owes him $10,000. So he takes him and he throws him in prison until he's able to pay it. Well, the king hears about it. And watch, this part of the story, this is, this is a representation of the kingdom of heaven. This is how this works. And Jesus is letting us know through the story, this is how God feels about this. The king found out that the man who received so much mercy was unwilling to give a little bit of mercy, and it angered him. And he had the man put into jail until he could pay back the unpayable debt. Which, by the way, means he's never getting out of that space. And then he says to the man in Matthew 18, shouldn't you have mercy on others, watch this, just as, meaning is in the same way as, I had mercy on you. Jesus' brother, James, said this in James chapter 2, verse 13, so you must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. That's that day that I want you to pass the test, guys. That's that day. Most of us just want to make sure we have fire insurance. But if you want to make sure your fire insurance is valid, you better read the, 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 the lines, all the little asterisks and stuff. Oh, by the way, if you're unwilling to give this, this forgiveness and this mercy to someone else, 
You don't have mine, by the way. You following me? You want your fire insurance policy to be valid, you better be a person who forgives the best you can. Now, this is insanely countercultural, isn't it? It goes against everything that the world is doing. But let me tell you something, church, that's who we are. This is who we need to be here at Simple Church. In fact, I'm asking you to be people who are committed to mercy so we can stand before God someday having loved too much than having judged too harshly. See, I don't want to be a people who points our fingers and throws the rule book at others when they come in our door looking for help. I want to be a people who love, who grant mercy to others. Because I don't think there's any chance we're ever going to get to heaven and we get up there and he's going to say, simple church, you guys love people too well. That's just unacceptable. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't think we're going to find that that's going to be the case. The world is demanding that we be unmerciful, but we are called to live out our lives full of mercy. Amen, everyone? I know this is difficult. I get it. We need God's power. We need his help to do it, but we can do it. In Micah 6, 8, it says this, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. That's what he longs for us to do. That's what he wants from us. In fact, because we've received mercy, the Bible says we're all now ministers or administers of that mercy. That that's our job is because we've received it, now we give it out to others. We're ministers of mercy. Paul said this about us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, we don't look at anybody like the world looks at them. Which, by the way, do you know the world, what the world is doing right now and what they've been doing forever? They've been trying to divide us. Because people that are divided can never stand against an enemy who's actually trying to rob from you, steal from you, and destroy you. See, if he can make enemies out of ourselves, then you'll be too preoccupied fighting each other to worry about what he's doing in your life. Welcome to the spiritual war you're in. Whether you believe you're in one or not, doesn't matter. You're in one. And the world pits us against each other, puts us in camps, puts the Democrats over here and the Republicans over there, when really we ought to be working together to figure out what the best thing is for our country. But now we're fighting, name-calling, slinging, and and literally getting into fights. We're literally getting into, into violating each other. Or we went, there was vax versus the anti-vax. There's pro-life versus pro-choice. And, and, and the world is trying to incite violence. Pay attention to what's happening right now. I literally watched a, a TikTok this week. This guy got on there very tongue-in-cheek and said, now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you find people's cars that have conservative logos on the back of them or that you find, find people with Republican stickers on the back of their cars or that you find cars or houses that have Christian flags on them or church stickers on them. And I'm not telling you to smash in their back glasses that, because they need to learn a lesson. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to slash their tires. Excuse me? It was all very tongue-in-cheek, but it seemed to me like that was exactly what he was telling us to do. The world is inciting violence against one another because apparently we need to learn a lesson because we believe different than they do. That we need to pay a price. 
Pay attention, church. Pay attention to how your mind is being manipulated. I'm off my soapbox now. I just love y'all so much. I need you to pay attention. The world would have you in camps pitted against one another to the point that you are merciless towards each other. We cannot see each other through a worldview. We're being manipulated to hate. We must see others as Jesus sees others. <laughs> this matters. Back to Paul. He said, we can't see like we used to. Now, now we're saved. He said, though, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So now, now we're saved. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means you're a Christian, that's you. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new's here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us. So he gave me. He gave me. Thank you for the people playing over here. He gave me the ministry of reconciliation. God gives us mercy, and then he makes us ministers of mercy. So what does that mean? Well, to, to be somebody who reconciles means that, that we bring somebody's balance to zero. That's what reconciliation means. That means that we're, because God brought our balance that we owed him to zero, that what we now get is to go around and bring other people's balances to zero, not counting their sins against them. In the same way, God's not counting our sins against us. He goes on to say that. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us that same message. Same message. And if God isn't counting sins against people, then neither should we. Amen, everyone? This doesn't mean that we don't talk about sin. It doesn't mean that, that we don't share God's truth and say, this is God's truth. This is what it is. This is what the Bible says. It doesn't mean that. But it means that when we look into it and we see our own sinfulness... We discover we can find freedom from that sin through Jesus. And then our job is when other people are entangled in their sin, it's just to point them to Jesus. It's not to be judge, jury, executioner, prosecutor. That's not our job in the courtroom of heaven. Our job is just to be a witness. Say, this is what Jesus did for me. He can do it for you. That's it. Our job is not to look at people and say, you say, all right, Aaron, I got this. Y'all need Jesus, you thin earth. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Don't be like that. Get your hand off your hip. Drop the attitude. And remember, you're a thinner too. But with love and grace and truth, we point them to mercy of God and Jesus. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, a devout Christian, said this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Mm. So good. So How? And who should we be merciful to? We are called, my friends, to show mercy. First, here's the four, the four ways we, or the groups that I think we need to show mercy to. We are called to show mercy to those who make mistakes. Say, oh, man, that's the worst group. Those are the ones I don't want to show mercy to. But the religious world needs to hear this, I think, more than the world does. Because I think that we, we receive grace, and then we start to think we're better than everybody else. And then when they come into church to receive that same grace, we go, here's a bunch of rules. You're thin earth. You're doing it wrong. But rather than point fingers, we need to look at, in the mirror and see our own sin. We've got to have the heart of Jesus. What was Jesus like? Well, Matthew, who was a tax collector that Jesus said, follow me, became one of the 12 disciples, 
He wrote this about Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. He said, this fulfilled a prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. So Matthew was quoting a, a prophecy from hundreds of years prior to Jesus being on this earth. And he's saying, this is what Isaiah said about him. He said, I've walked with the dude. This is absolutely true. He said, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. He will not fight. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. And Jesus never did any of those things. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Basically, he's addressing and saying the weakest things on this earth, the things that we consider nothing, like a a candle that's flickering out. Jesus won't even snuff that out. There's value in it. He's going to find a way to make it flame again. Or a reed. A reed is, is, a, uh, is a plant that grows up out of the water. And because it, is, it, is ma- it, it lives in the water, it is mainly made up of water. And if you barely touch it, you'll bruise it and it'll bend. And so a lot of people will trim it at that point because it's less, it, it becomes more beautiful. It's, it's less beautiful with its bruise and its bends. And he's saying Jesus won't even, he, he won't crush the weakest reed. He won't do that. Jesus doesn't discard these things. And by the way, you need to understand that we are the reeds. We are the candles. And this is the way he loves. He does not discard these things. He offers us mercy because he values us. And like Jesus, we must become people who are known for mercy to those who make mistakes. James 2.13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. So in a judging world, we must believe Blessed are the merciful. Second group we are called to show mercy to is to those who let us down. To those who let us down. And this one's kind of a personal one. Very personal. Once again, we must look to Jesus to see how he handled this because Jesus had people who let him down. You know that? People that were in his life. He's our example for how to show mercy because Jesus, here's Jesus who's been betrayed by one who was close to him. Judas, one of the 12, right? Jesus had John, who was his best friend. He had Peter, James, and John, who were the closest three. But then he had the 12 that went with him and did everything with him. And Judas was part of that. And he betrays him. And Jesus is beaten, spit upon, has his flesh ripped from his back as, as he's flogged. And then he's crucified, being tortured on this cross until he dies. And in this moment of gasping for air, he's bleeding and dying on the cross. Jesus said in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the mercy. I don't know if I, if I would have that kind of mercy. I would hope that in that moment I would. I would hope. He says, forgive them. They, they just don't know. And what happens is that statement alone changes lives. There's a thief on the cross who overhears it. There's a Roman centurion who hears it. Both of them put their faith in him as the son of God as he's bleeding and dying on a cross. That's the power of mercy. Consider Judas. Jesus gave him so much mercy. Judas is the one who betrayed him. And I love this, and some of you are going to be mad at me because I'm going to say this, but... And the reason you're mad at me is because we, we love a good revenge story and we love to see the villain get their, their comeuppance. You know what I'm saying? We really like that, right? In movies and in the stories, we'd love to see the villain get what they deserve. And in this story, Judas is the villain. And Judas comes to, to betray Jesus. He greets him in the garden. And when he gets there, 
Jesus, do you know how he greets him? He calls him friend. That's mercy. He knows why he was there. In fact, before Judas left the table to go betray him, he said, go do what you need to do. And he walks in, and Judas is putting on chapstick, ready to kiss Jesus. Because that's how he said, that's the sign. I'll kiss the one who you're supposed to take. Jesus says, hey, friend. That's mercy. That's mercy. And that's not how the world does it. The world would have fought back in that moment. The world would have been angry. But Jesus embraced the mess. He embraced the betrayal and called his friend, or called Judas his friend while he was being betrayed. Crazy, right? Crazy. Who does that? Jesus. That's mercy. And Jesus' attitude was life-changing because, in fact, if you read the rest of the story about Judas, we see Judas repent. It's another message for another day. Jesus was denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused, and humiliated. And he prayed, Father, forgive them. The Bible asks us to be like Christ, to do the same thing for people. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's you, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. It's saying clothe yourself because you ain't got it. When you get up in the morning, you ain't got it. That compassion, mercy, these are things we choose to put on like a garment. Like the clothes you're wearing today, you chose to put those on. He's saying choose Choose compassion, choose kindness, choose humility, choose gentleness and patience. You got to choose those things. Bear with each other and forgive one another. There's another translation that says make room for each other's faults. I like that because what that means is go ahead and pre-forgive people because they're going to go ahead and sin against you today. Get ready. Offenses are going to come. Get ready. Just pre-forgive them. Make a choice. Hey, I'm going to be unoffendable today. And that's what I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear Jesus today because he was unoffendable. Come on, somebody. He says, put this on. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Remember, forgiveness is not just for them. It's for you. It's mainly for you. Blessed are the merciful. And how did the Lord forgive us? Freely and unconditionally. And you can get mad or you can show mercy. That's your choice when offenses come. Each is a choice, but only one is blessed. Max Lucado, in his book, said, uh, unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse. But the worst part of all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that's left. I don't want that to be my story. Do you want that to be yours? It was mine for a long time. We're called to show mercy to those who let us down. We're also called to show mercy to those who are far from God. You know, simple church doesn't exist for church people when I was praying about planting this church and starting it, I said, God, I don't want a church for church people. I, I'm not trying to create a club for Christians. That's what you're looking for. You're probably in the wrong place. I want a hospital for sick people. Because Jesus, that's why he came. He came to reach those who were hurting and broken and lost. I want every single one of these rows filled with people that, whose lives are just a mess, who need Jesus. That's, that's what I want. Because, man, that's what people need. They need Jesus. We exist for those who are far from God. I want this to look like any room that Jesus ever walked into, any room where Jesus chose to be. You know where Jesus chose to be? With the thin earth. He chose to be with the prostitutes, with the worst of the worst, 
the tax collectors, and the sinners. Now, he didn't accept their lifestyles. He accepted them. Why? Because Jesus understood that he needed to connect before he could correct them. Jesus understood that. That's why there's, there's, a, there's a story of a guy named Zacchaeus. Anybody grow up in church? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah, he climbed up in a sycamore. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Zacchaeus was a short guy, climbed up in a tree to see Jesus over the crowds, and Jesus walked by. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a known thief. He would take too much money when he was collecting money for the Roman soldiers. A known thief. Jesus shows up, stops under the tree and looks up and says, hey, Zach, let's go to lunch. He didn't call him a dirty dog. He didn't tell him to repent. He said nothing to him. And over lunch, Zach stands up and repents, gives his whole life to Jesus, says, I'm putting my faith in you, his whole family. I don't know what Jesus said at that lunch. It doesn't matter. Jesus connected before he corrected. We also see in Matthew 9, after, Matthew, after Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him, Matthew throws a party and invites Jesus. He invites all his tax collector buddies and sinners. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. I want this place full of tax collectors and sinners. Amen, everybody? That's what I want. That's what I want. He said, when the Pharisees saw this, that's the religious people of the day, looking down their long religious noses, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He had no intention of punishing anyone. He came to set the captives free. He came to set the captives free. You know, church, I'm just going to tell you, tomorrow we're going to give out 105 bikes. Each one of them have invite cards on them. Next Sunday, we have no idea who's going to walk through those doors. We have no idea the condition of their life. We have no idea what they're going to need. But I know this. I serve a God who has everything that they need. And I'm telling you, I need us to be a church who is willing to, with open arms, to love whoever walks through that door and whatever state they walk through that door. Amen, everybody? Amen. need to love them like Jesus, to be merciful no matter their condition. Because once, if you remember, we were just like them. And here's the last one, and I promise it will surprise you about who we're called to show mercy to. It's to ourselves. This is the one I struggle with. How about you? I struggle to forgive myself for things I've done. As a parent, as a son, as a friend, as a pastor, as a leader. I struggle. I'm hard on myself. But God has forgiven me. Why am I so hard on myself? Why are you so hard on you? It's like we hold ourselves to the standard that we just can't achieve. We hold ourselves back. We keep ourselves from fully enjoying the freedom God gave us. In fact, I would say instead of freedom, we oftentimes sound like David did in Psalm 38. I'm drowning in the flood of my sins. They are a burden too heavy to bear. Because I've been foolish. Now he's talking down to himself. I'm utterly worn out and crushed. My heart is troubled. We feel like David because we feel like we've disappointed God. But you know what? You can't disappoint God. Think about that statement. 
you can't disappoint God. Because disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality, right? Expectation and reality. We, we, have, we have this with our spouses, with our kids. We expect them to behave this way, but they behave this way. And the distance between those two is the amount of our frustration and our disappointment, right? Y'all following me? But God doesn't have this problem because God doesn't have an expectation that's off. In fact, God knows your beginning from your end. He already knows you're going to mess up. His expectation is exactly how you're living your life. There's no disappointment. There's no frustration in him. Come on, somebody. You're going to get set free today if you take this. Take this. God's not disappointed in you. He's not disappointed in you. He knew you would sin, and he loves you still. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, actively in our sin, Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. God loves you. He's called you. He believes in you, and he wants you. Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, said this in 1 Timothy 1. He said, even though I was once a blasphemer, a prosecutor, and a violent man, I can fill this out too. Even though I was once an addict, a bitter man, you all could fill in the blanks too. Even though I was once, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Today, God wants to set people free. I believe that. Do you believe that? I do. I believe that God wants to help you forgive yourself. And you can leave here today having received mercy from God. You can leave here today having become now a minister of mercy as well. You can have that. Jesus paid for you to have it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Father, today I just thank you for your word. My prayer today is for those of us that are struggling to show mercy. I'm sure we've got valid reasons for why we're angry at somebody or why we're holding an offense against somebody. I'm sure it was hurtful. I'm sure it was painful. Whatever way that may be. Whether we're holding ourselves accountable or holding others accountable, for whatever reason, help us to receive your mercy and to become ministers of mercy. Ultimately, God, help us to forgive. Help us to forgive with the understanding of knowing that forgiveness doesn't mean that what they did was okay or that it was right or that it didn't hurt us. Forgiveness doesn't diminish the pain that they've caused in our lives. What forgiveness does is makes a choice to trust you, that you are a just God, that vengeance is yours, and that what they've done, you'll hold them accountable for. But that for us, we can be free. and We can choose to forgive. And choose. You know, I just want to look in this camera. Everybody else is head bowed, eye closed. I want to look in this camera and I want to speak to those of you listening to the podcast and even every year in this room. I just want to say that your greatest spiritual breakthrough 
I believe, is on the other side of you choosing to forgive. It's your greatest spiritual breakthrough. It might be the greatest one you ever experience. Make a choice to forgive as you have been forgiven. Father, help us. Help us have the strength and the wisdom and a heart that is willing to bend to your desires. To forgive. Now, to everyone else in this room, I would say that there's some of you that are, you find yourself maybe far from God. And what you need most is an opportunity to experience God's mercy. I'm here to tell you today it's free, and you can have it. You can't earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything special for it. Jesus paid the price for you to have it. Just receive it. Make him Lord of your life. Turn away from your, from your ways and choose to look into his word, showing up here on Sunday and learning how to live, live the life that's prescribed for us in his word, the Bible. If you're ready to be forgiven today, to receive all that God has for you, to make Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer today, and if you'd like to be part of that, I think you need to do something, and I'm not going to ask you to come to the front of the room or stand up or anything, but just, would you just slip your hand up? There's nobody looking around. Would you just put your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. Yeah, thanks. That's me. I'm saying yes today. I'm not going to do it perfectly. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm saying yes today. I'm saying yes to a journey with Jesus. You can put your hands down. Let's pray together. Everybody, church, everybody prays out loud because we don't want anybody praying alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says you prayed that prayer. All of heaven is having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.